Well, let's take our Bible and turn to um, the book of Psalms. Psalm uh, 112 is where we're going to be today. Psalm 112. And uh, as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to do so, Psalm 112. So if you're here last Sunday, you say, well, hey, weren't we in Psalm 111? Good memory, because yes, we were. And now we're going to look at uh, a companion verse or companion psalm, Psalm 112. And we're going to go ahead and read all 10 verses of this psalm to start with uh, today. Bible says this, um, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor, and the wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. Thank you for the time together that we've enjoyed and singing songs unto you, fellowship, and it's been sweet already. Lord, now as we turn our attention to the word of God, And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to um, focus in on what you'd have for us, help us to understand what you have for us today, and then help us to apply what you have for us. Help us to be changed because of our time together in your word. We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So last Sunday, I preached a message called Praise the Lord from Psalm 111. And then now, Psalm 112, we're looking at today. And the reason for it is because they are companion psalms. They are both similar in style and are both acrostic. As I mentioned last Sunday regarding Psalm 111, it's an acrostic psalm where in the Hebrew, it goes down through each each letter of the Hebrew alphabet as you go down through the psalm. You don't see that in the English, but in the Hebrew, that's the case. And they also have... uh, very similar style and comparable content. Now, Psalm 111, as we looked at last week, puts the emphasis on the Savior, while Psalm 112, uh, the next one, emphasizes the saint. In 111, it was uh, on the Lord's person, and here it is regarding the Lord's people, and particularly those people who are blessed, who are happy, who are joyful. Now, what brings true happiness and a blessed life? Um, And that really is the question that a lot of people are pursuing and trying to answer in this life. They're trying to chase things that will bring happiness. 
So what will bring true happiness in a blessed life? Oh, I know what will. Money will. Having lots of money will bring lots of uh, happiness and joy. Well, someone did say this, and I can't necessarily argue with them. They said, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy cows. And cows make milk, and milk makes ice cream, and ice cream makes you happy. So therefore, money can, I guess, buy a little bit of happiness. But uh, what happens, though, when that money and that ice cream melts or gets eaten by the rest of your family without asking? Okay. Okay, I'm still struggling with a little bitterness, can you tell? We know, we know money can't buy happiness. Uh, Philip Parfum tells the story of a rich industrialist who was kind of disturbed to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. And he asked this uh, little lazy fisherman, he says, why aren't you out there fishing, he asked. Well, because I've caught enough fish for today, the fisherman responded with. Well, why don't you catch more fish than you need? The rich man asked. Well, what would I do with them? Well, you could earn more money, came the impatient reply, and then buy a better boat so you could go deeper and and catch more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish, and make more money. And soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. The fisherman asked, well, then what would I do? Well, then you could sit down and enjoy life, said the industrialist. And the fisherman replied as he looked placidly out to sea, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? (laughs) See, we don't need more money to be more happy. And yet, the American culture especially thinks if you have more, therefore you have more happiness. But that is definitely not the case. We know that in reality, money can't truly buy a blessed life. Well, okay, well, if money can't, then, then I'm certain fame can as long as I, if I get famous, then I will be really happy. Well, I was thinking about that in my own life. And uh, I realized that while I have a pretty common name and all of that, I, I'm really not that famous. But there has been two days in my life that I had felt a little famous. And so I got a little taste of fame uh, because I had these two days in my life. The first day that I was famous where everybody wanted to have a picture with me was uh, when I got married. And I think there's a picture of our wedding day there. And so there, there's proof that I had hair, okay? I was a pretty good looking guy back in the day. And I don't know what happened, but, but that day I was pretty famous. I mean, everybody wanted a picture of me and with me um, and uh, also with my new bride, because she kind of stole the show there with her beauty. She was, she hasn't changed a bit. She just really hasn't. And uh, I've gotten older, but she hasn't. And uh, she's, she's as beautiful today as she's ever been, or maybe even more so. Um, but I remember that day, and, and it, for those who've been married, and you went through a wedding with, I think there was a couple hundred people at our wedding, and with all the photos there, um, my cheeks were hurting from all smiling. Does anybody remember that from their wedding day? I was like, if I don't ever have to smile again, I'll be happy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, I, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with this fame thing. 
But then there was one more day that I had, I was pretty famous and I was even more famous than I was on my wedding day. It was when we were in living in Montana and I was pretty desperate for any type of work. Well, there was a, there, there, I saw this gig on, on Craigslist that I thought, well, I'll just respond to it and see if they'll, they'll take me. And they, they did decide to hire me for this job. And so what I had to do was I had to dress up as somebody. And so here's who I dressed up like. Well, there's a picture here. I was, if you've ever wondered who Tony the Tiger really was, okay, that was me. Uh, so for eight hours uh, one day, I uh, got to dress up as Tony the Tiger. And uh, also, he, the, the hiring company said, hey, if you, if you know somebody who would like to work with you who could be your handler... Uh, we'll pay them too, and so you can see my handler standing right next to me, and she's been my handler ever since. Um, but uh, that was a pretty day. That was a that was a day where I was pretty famous. Everybody saw me and came up to me and wanted to give me a hug and high five and get their get their picture with me. I was super famous, um, and uh, the problem was it was a pretty hot costume. And by the end of the day, I was pretty much filled with sweat and couldn't wait to get home. So fame did not bring real lasting, uh, lasting blessedness and happiness in my life. Okay, well, what about what about power? I know power will bring true satisfaction and true uh, joy and happiness. If I could just be the one who's calling the shots and in charge, then then I'll be happy. Well, this is what I maybe thought a little bit, and my wife thought when she encouraged me to run to become the president of the Homeowners Association when we lived in California. And uh, it was frustrating not knowing what was going on, not having any control of um, all the all the different decisions that were being made in our community. And so my wife thought it would be a great witnessing tool and evangelism uh, outreach to be on the uh, the board there and to actually be the president and have people come to our house and see our family and see our home and see the scripture on the wall and then, you know, just say, what must I do to be saved? They, she kind of thought that that was going to happen. Well, I also thought, well, hey, when I'm in charge, I can kind of call the shots and then I can, you know, I can't complain about the decisions that are being made because I'm the one making the decisions as long as all the other, um, you know, board members agree and all that. Well, such was not the case. We had uh, cut down a tree that needed to be cut down. And then um, the next meeting, uh, there was a little higher attendance from the community <laughs> and uh, they they, I, I was talking about the great decision I made to cut down trees, and one of them, one of the ladies spoke up and said, that tree has been so important and sentimental in our family, and who decided, wh why did you decide to cut that down? And I'm like, well, I thought having all this power was going to bring me great happiness. I'm not really happy right now when not everybody else is thrilled with my decisions. So, okay, money can't bring uh, money can't bring happiness. Fame can't bring happiness. Power can't bring happiness. And, and, and none of those things can. Uh, Solomon, who actually had everything mentioned, he had power, he had fame, and he had money, and he had abundance. Uh, he had it all. And uh, do you know what he said about it all? In Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 11, he says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had brought, 
and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. He said it was all empty. Money can't buy it. Fame can't bring it. Power can't provide it. So what then should, what then can uh, provide uh, a true blessed life? Well, uh, the psalmist here, and we don't know exactly who the human author was of this particular psalm, but uh, he does give us uh, some instruction here regarding the blessed life. I want to take a few moments this morning and, and talk about a truly blessed person. Let's talk first about number one here this morning, the priorities of a truly blessed person. Um, the priorities of a blessed life. Verse number one tells us there, praise ye the Lord. And this, by the way, is a continuation of Psalm 111. Praise ye the Lord. And then he goes, blessed is the man that, and he gives a couple important priorities that a blessed person has in their life. What are they? Well, first, first of all, he has the fear of God in his life. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. And again, this is a continuation of Psalm 111. If you go back to that chapter in verse number 10, the very the, the verse right before what we're just reading now, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And remember we said last Sunday that the fear of God is the awareness and the acknowledgement of God's presence, of His power, and of His purity, and then to live according uh, to His presence. Recognizing the fact that God is all present, and He's with me all times, and He sees everything that I do, and He knows everything that I think, and everything that I say He hears. Remembering that, and acknowledging that, and living in light of that, it, it's kind of like when... when uh, when, when a child is in their room kind of by themselves and, and mom and dad are going, do you hear that? And the other one says, actually, I don't hear anything. And the other one says, I know, scary, right? We better go check and see what's going on. And uh, that's been happening. It's, it's quiet. It's a little too quiet. So we better go check and see what's going on. And, and sure enough, you open the door and the kid's like, oh, well, what? And they all startled and, and they, 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 they know they're doing something they shouldn't do. That's happened on a couple of occasions in our family life where we checked on the kids and they were doing something they should not have been doing. Um, well, would they have done that had we been in the room the whole time? No, but here's the deal with the Lord. He's with us at all times and we need to recognize that and the fear of God is acknowledging that and living accordingly. It's, it's also acknowledging his purity and, and, and his power that, that he can do all things and living in light of that. It's a reverent awe that draws out the heart in wonder, love, and praise as opposed to living in fear of God striking you and zapping you. No, no, it's, it's recognizing and living in reverent awe that draws out the heart in wonder, love, and praise. I was reading this this week as I was studying for this. See, so many are looking in all the wrong places for true blessedness and true happiness. They're looking for that uh, that um, in unreachable pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? When they should be instead looking to where the rainbow is pointing. If you think about a rainbow, everybody's looking for that, that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But what we should be doing is that rainbow is kind of bowing up, right? And it's pointing to where our true joy could come from, up to the heaven where our great and glorious God is. 
So stop looking for some worldly method of increasing your happiness and look to the Lord and live in the fear of God. Psalm 128 verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Blessed, happy is everyone that feareth the Lord. When you, when you hear the fear of the God, you, you might think, well, this sounds so oppressive. No, it's actually the priority of a blessed life. It, it, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Not oppressed is everyone that feareth the Lord. It's, it's, it brings blessing. Psalm 115 verse 13 says, He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. So the fear of God needs to be a priority. If you want to have a blessed life, you've got to have the fear of God in your life. If you don't, I'm sorry, you're going to miss out. If you think you're going to find happiness by getting more money, by having more power and more fame, I'm sorry. None of those things are going to give you true happiness, but the fear of God will. What else will? The priority of the priorities of a blessed life is, first of all, the fear of God. We see that in verse number one. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. But then secondly, we see the word of God needs to be another priority in the blessed life. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Now, I know that you already kind of know what the answer is here, but what if I told you this morning that after the service today, my wife and I have a table set out back there in the, in the lobby area, and, and, uh, and, and we have on that table a free book for everybody who would like one that is guaranteed to bring you true happiness in this life if you apply the principles in it. Would you want one of those books? The answer is everybody would. Well, can I let you know this morning that if you have a Bible in your lap or in your hands right now, then you already have that book. But it's only going to provide that if you open it up and look at it and apply the truths to your lives. Just having it in your home collecting dust is not going to create a happy life. You've got to crack it open and you've got to apply the truths into your life. Blessed are they, verse, uh, Psalm 119, verse number 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. See, this book absolutely can uh, bring blessedness and, and happiness into any one of our lives. And it is a special book to be sure. David said this, and this is, pretty, this is a pretty strong statement. Psalm 138, verse number two, I will worship toward thy holy temple, temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. And then here's that strong statement regarding the word of God. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, I think all of us would agree that God's name is pretty special. It really is the name above all names. In Psalm 111, we see in verse number 9 that His name is holy and reverend. But yet, God has magnified His word above His name. And that means that it's pretty special to Him. Therefore, it ought to be pretty special to us. 
the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 4 and verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book is alive, my friend. And if we're going to have a blessed life, we have to be in his word. Now notice in verse number 1 of chapter 112 here, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth, that delighteth. Do you, do you delight in it? What does the word delight mean? It means a high degree to a high degree degree of pleasure, satisfaction of mind. It, it brings joy to incline to, to bend to, to be pleased with, to desire, uh, to be well pleased with, to have pleasure in. Does that describe your relationship with the Holy Word of God? Do you desire it? Do you have pleasure in it? Do you delight in it? But it doesn't just say delighteth in his commandments. It says delighteth greatly in his commandments. So if you're going to have a blessed life, you need to have the priority of fearing the Lord, but also the word of God as well. See, blessed is the man that delights in the word of God. We find this in Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm in verse number 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. How, how is your relationship with the Scriptures? You say, well, I have the Scriptures. Good. But what's your relationship with the Bible? Do you delight in it, and do you delight greatly in it? Uh, the psalmist did in Psalm 119, verse 24, says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. In, four, in verse 47 of that same chapter, he says, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. In verse 77, he says, Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Verse 143, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. In verse 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Say, I, I, I love the Word of God. I delight in it. Okay, well, do you delight in God's Word enough to read it? Because anybody, if I were to go around the, hand, the room and say, raise your hand if you love the Bible, I think all of us would raise our hands. But do you delight in it? Do you love it enough to crack it open and read it? Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for they are they that testify of me. Someone has calculated it out, and if you were to read the Bible out loud with a normal reading speed, it would take about 60 hours to read through the Word of God, from Genesis through the end of Revelation. And that averages out to just 10 minutes every day to read through the Bible in a year. 10 minutes. Can you not give 10 minutes to the Lord? We give 10 minutes to a lot of other things that have no eternal value. Can we not give 10 minutes to the eternal word of God that can tr bring us true peace and blessing and happiness? There's a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. An evangelist, uh, Robert Sumner, tells about him in his book, The Wonders of the Word of God. And, and this man's 
face was badly disfigured in this explosion, and he lost his eyesight as well as both hands. He was just a brand new Christian, and one of his greatest disappointments in this whole thing was that he could no longer read the Bible. Then he heard about a lady in England who could read Braille with her lips. He thought, well, maybe I can do the same thing. So he sent for some of the books of the Bible in Braille. Sadly, he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been destroyed by the explosion as well. But one day, though, as he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips, his tongue happened to touch a few of the raised characters, and he could feel them. And like a flash, he thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. And at the time that Mr. Robert Sumner wrote his book, the man had read through the entire Bible four times. How many times have you read through the Bible with two good eyes? Or maybe you're like me and you have four good eyes. (laughs) But what's our excuse? Well, we have so many other things to put our eyes upon. That may be our problem. Let's delight in God's word enough to read it. Let's delight in God's word enough to remember it to hide God's word in our heart. Jesus used scripture when he was tempted in the wilderness. If it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. See, a lot of us are good at memorizing things that we love. Maybe sports stats, movie lines. Some of us know more about celebrity gossip than we do Verses in the Bible that deal with the struggles that we're going through in our life. Look, you you say, well, I I struggle a little bit with anger. The answer is right here. A quick Google search. Bible verses that deal with anger. And .0013 seconds later, all these results will come up. Take a quick moment to go through those and then make a list and start memorizing those scriptures. I've I've been struggling with bitterness in my life. I've been struggling with lust. The answer is right here, my friend. Do you delight in it enough to remember it? Do you delight in God's word enough to respond to it? James 1.22, let God's word, uh, says uh, to, to not be hearers only, but be doers of the word. And as the song says, trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I had a picture of our wedding the day before we had our rehearsal. And my wife and I were standing at the uh, altar and uh, we're all there kind of just walking through the, the ceremony so that we all know where to stand and what's, what we're all doing, you know, the whole wedding rehearsal situation. And uh, they were doing some mic checks at the same time, and uh, there was a microphone right between us, I think, and uh, the, the sound guy was trying to get that microphone to work, and he couldn't figure out what, what input it was in, and so he was, he was kind of messing it with it as as we were doing the rehearsal. Well, my, my wife was over there, and again, the microphone wasn't working, but she, she looked at me and she said something, and I didn't understand what she said. 
And, and I said, what? And she was trying to, trying to get my attention, trying to instruct me on something. I'm like, what are you trying to say to me? Um, and then I asked, can you repeat that? And so as soon as she started, the sound guy got the microphone working at that exact moment. And she said, yeah, I was just trying to tell you that you have something green in your teeth. And so everybody that was there, all the church workers that were helping with the wedding and the whole wedding party all heard this. And I was like, why did you have to get that thing working right then and there? And I was obviously, you know, pretty embarrassed. I had something green in my teeth. I know why, because we went and had salad that day. Moral of the story is don't eat salad. That's the, that's the whole spiritual lesson that we all need to get. Um, no, here's the deal. I had a choice at that point. I could say, well, good, I'm, I'm glad it's there, and walk and continue walking on my way. Or I could have said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to get that green thing out of my teeth because that's awkward. Okay, when, when it comes to getting into the Word of God and we see God's Word as a mirror and it says, hey, buddy, there's some things in your life that you need to get rid of. We have a choice. We can say, well, I just like it there. Or we can say, I'm going to go do something about it. Do we delight in God's word enough to respond to it? Look, as I mentioned a moment ago, Solomon had accumulated all these things. He had accumulated knowledge, fame, fortune, pleasure, um, power. But, but, but what did he say at the end of his book in the book of Ecclesiastes? He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. The two priorities we have here. The fear of God and the word of God. He said, the conclusion of the whole matter. Look, I, I've come to the end of my life and I've had it all that this world could offer. And I'm telling you right now, here's what the priorities need to be in your life. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, he says. So how are we doing with those? If Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, here's the whole conclusion, the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, how are we doing with those? Do we fear God in our personal life? Do we recognize the fact that he is watching us uh, 24-7? Not as a creepy uh, situation, but as a loving Heavenly Father who cares about us and, 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 and does see. Do we keep his commandments? Do we know what they even are? Or has it been a long time since we've opened the Word of God and read it for ourselves? Until these priorities are part of your life, you're never going to be a truly blessed person. You can try to find it in worldly methods, but I guarantee they're going to come up way short. Happened to Solomon. He thought he could find it some other way. He thought he could uh, go a different route, but you can't. Fear of God, the Word of God need to be our priorities. When that happens, though, what does that produce in our life? Notice, secondly, here as we continue on, and the rest of the message is a little quicker here, but I just wanted to really spend some time highlighting the priorities that we ought to have in our life, the fear of God and the Word of God. But then when we do, it's going to produce some things, the product of a blessed life. See, if you have the priorities of the fear of God and the Word of God, it's going to produce certain characteristics and qualities in your life, a truly happy person, first of all, will be gracious. 
If you look into verse number four, it says, Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. And then it goes on to say, He is gracious. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. So first of all, gracious. What does the word gracious mean? It means favorable, kind, friendly, benevolent, merciful, disposed to forgive offenses and to impart unmerited blessings. They are quick to forgive, and they're also quick to give. Quick quick to forgive and quick to give. Does that describe you and the way that you've been acting this week? Or do you like to hold on to hurts? Thinking that, boy, if I hold on to this hurt long enough, it's going to hurt them. Guess who it ends up hurting the most? The one holding on the hurt. But someone who's gracious is quick to forgive. Quick to say, hey, don't worry about it. It's all good. I love you. Would your family say that you've been gracious recently? Alexander McLaren said this, Kindness makes a person attractive. If you would win the world, melt it, do not hammer it. It's the whole, you attract a lot more with honey than you do with something else. Gracious. A truly happy person, a truly blessed life will be gracious. Secondly, it'll be compassionate. Verse number four again, He is gracious and full of compassion. Jude 22 says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. What is compassion? It's a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. Jesus, of course, was full of compassion, was he not? He was compassion. He was moved with compassion as he saw the multitude without a shepherd scattered, scattered around. We're called to be compassionate. 1 Peter 3.8, finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brother and be pitiful, be courteous. And as you think about these characteristics, these, these products of a blessed life, you say, well, doesn't this describe the Lord Jesus? Well, look, friend, aren't we supposed to be, as believers, being conformed into the image of His dear Son, of Jesus Christ? As time goes on, that ought to be the case. And so these same characteristics we see in the blessed life, we see in the Lord Jesus Himself. Thirdly, here, the third product is that this blessed life is also righteous. Verse number four, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. It denotes one who is holy in heart and observant of the divine commands in practice. This is one who says, I'm going to do right, even if it's not comfortable. Even if it's not convenient, even if it doesn't feel good, I'm going to do right anyway. Doing right is sometimes difficult. That's why I think the psalmist wrote in Psalm 4, 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Sometimes it is difficult and a sacrifice to do right, to tell the truth, even when you know it's going to come back on you. To, to do right and, and say, well, I know if I go and tell the boss that so-and-so did this, I know it's the right thing to do. I know that it's going to make them call me a, a narc, and, and, and they're going to they're gonna disrespect me for doing this, but I know it's the right thing. I'm going to do it anyway. Are you willing to do right? One uh, preacher of yesteryear, I believe it was Dr. Bob Jones, who wrote this song and poem, Do Right. And the chorus goes, do right till the stars fall. 
Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right although it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. So someone who is truly blessed, what's it going to produce in their life? Um, when they have the priority of the fear of God and the word of God in their life, they're going to be righteous. They're going to say, I'm going to do right, even if no one knows about it, even if no one agrees with it, I'm going to do right anyway. What in your life do you need to do that is right, that you've been withholding because it's been difficult? You've been hesitating to do right. I want to encourage you, do right. Fourthly, he says uh, one of the products of a blessed life is that they are generous. If you go to verse number five here, it says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. And then in verse number nine, it says, He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. So they become very generous people. Does that describe you? Remember that Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we're about to come into a, a time a season of the year where um, we, uh, we have an opportunity to be generous. I'm not saying to give all that you have, but I'm saying be generous. Verse number five, a good man showeth favor and lendeth, and he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. Proverbs 19, 17 says, He that hath pity upon the Lord, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given, will he pay him again? There's promises for those who give. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but attendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And you think, well, I don't really like either of those words, liberal and fat. <laughs> um, when it comes to this liberal, this is the kind of liberal you want to be. You want to be liberal in your giving and your generosity to others and ultimately to the Lord. And then there's the promise that those who are liberal in that way are going to be made fat. You say, I'm trying to lose weight. We're not talking about weight here. It says, and their soul shall be made fat. This is when your heart is overflowing and it's, man, I don't know about you, but again, as I mentioned on Thanksgiving Day, I ate too much. And my pastor belly was uh, going through a, a building project that I did not want it to go through. Um, but when you give, your heart goes through a building project. Your soul goes through a building project. And this is one that you want. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Oh, what a great promise. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I mean, there is tremendous promise in the Scriptures regarding those who give. 1 Timothy 6, 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that's all of us, that they, not, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. In other words, communicate doesn't need, mean that I'm going to send you a text message. It means I'm going to communicate financially. 
And then it says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So what is the product of a blessed life? Well, they're, they're generous. And then fifthly, they're prudent. Verse number five, it says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. This is that discernment which enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper, united with caution. This is the quality that helps someone avoid falling into traps and going the wrong direction. And, and I think what's missing a lot from American Christianity today is this prudence, is this idea of having a discerning heart regarding what's going on in culture today. Uh, we, we, we just kind of, a lot of times, hook, line, and sinker to all the things that this world is spewing out. Oh, there's a new movie out? Oh, there's a new TV show to watch? There's a new uh, dress, the uh, wardrobe trend? There's, there's all these new things coming out? We just chomp on the first thing we see. And I'm speaking of us as a whole, um, but I'm encouraging all of us to have some prudence and to have some discernment and to avoid falling into traps and going the wrong direction. Proverbs 22, verse 3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. We need to grow to the point where we can look ahead a little bit and say, How, what, what is this going to cost me down the road? Not what it's going to bring me right this second, but what is it going to cost me down the road if I participate in this particular thing? Prudence. See, those who have the fear of God, those who delight themselves greatly in the Word of God, are going to be prudent. They're going to be generous, righteous, compassionate, and gracious. And if you were to read these qualities and ask who they describe, you might think that they're referring to God, and, and, and really, you'd be right. If you go to Psalm 111 and verse number 4, he says, He have made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And then you go to Psalm 112 and verse number 4, it says, He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Think, that, that must be talking about the same person. No, Psalm 111 is talking about the Lord. Psalm 112 is talking about the blessed life, the man who decides that he's going to fear God and he's going to delight greatly in God's commands. And see, the same qualities that God has can become ours as we have these right priorities in our lives. These qualities are the product of fearing the Lord and greatly delighting God's word. And look, when you're spending time next to somebody, you're going to start acting like them. Now, again, we're not going to have the, uh, we're not going to be completely righteous like the Lord is. We're not going to be fully compassionate like the Lord is. We're not going to be totally gracious like the Lord is 100%. But those qualities are going to start to show up in our life because we're spending time with somebody, you're going to start doing the same things. Nearness is likeness. We are to be conformed to the image of a son, so when we spend time with the son, we're going to start looking and sounding and acting like the son. So the product of a blessed life. I want us to see very quickly, number three, the peace of a blessed life. Verse number six through eight says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees desire upon his enemies. 
There's a tremendous peace that God gives to those who fear God and who delight greatly in His Word. There's a peace that really passes all understanding. And no matter what's going on in the world or in their particular life, they can just know that God is in control and God's going to take care of them. See, if you fear the Lord in verse number 1, you will not need to fear the evil tidings that come your way in verses 6 through 8. But if you don't fear the Lord in verse number 1, then you're going to probably fear the evil tidings that come your way in verses 8, 6 through 8. Um, I was thinking about the disciples when Jesus was in the ship, and they were there in the Sea of Galilee, and, and this big storm came. And the disciples started to literally freak out and think that all was lost and they were going to die. And they were finally saying, you know what, we probably should go wake Jesus up because he was doing what all good, all good uh, people should do on Sundays, and that's taking a nap. And so Jesus was asleep there in the, she- in, in the ship, and they went and woke him up, and they said, Carest not thou that we perish? They, they were insinuating that Jesus did not care about them. And that obviously could not be further from the truth because Jesus cares much more than you and I even realize. Well, he wakes up, he gets up, and he says, peace be still. And the wind and the waves were still. And he had control over that. Look, he, Here's, here's the lesson for us in that particular story. You, you and I have, can have peace in the midst of the storm because he's in the ship. He's, he's with you. If he's living and dwelling within, then, then, then no matter what storm you go through, he's always there. You have nothing to fear. And if you're always fretting and you're always worried, It's really a slap in the face to God's ability to take care of you. The peace of a blessed life. But for those who fear the Lord, for those who are delighting greatly in His commandments, there's a tremendous peace that comes with that. I want to share very quickly, number four, the promises of blessed life. There are some great promises for those who choose to fear the Lord and delight greatly in His word. Very quickly, and I won't go too much into explaining them other than just to mention them very quickly. There's, first of all, there's personal blessings. In verse number one, it simply says, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth greatly in his commandments. I mean, there's a happiness that comes into a life who chooses to do these things. And that's a blessing right there. Uh, But then there's, there's there's even some wealth. In verse number three, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Now, again, I don't know that that means that, hey, you do this. I'm not trying to be one of those televangelists. Hey, give a little bit of money and you'll be rich too. No, the only reason that preacher is rich is because he's corrupt and uh, trying to uh, gouge people and rob from people. No, 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 I'm not talking about necessarily wealth like we would consider today. And, 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 And this is Old Testament, so there's a little bit of a financial promise here for the Old Testament saints, but but for us, I mean, when you are feeling the Lord and you're delighting greatly in His commands, you don't need to have more money. You can be content with what you have. 
and, and some of us who've been to third world countries and seen people live in tremendous poverty and yet still be tremendously happy. Those who have the right perspective can have a wealth that money can't bring. But then there's also guidance in verse number four. Under the upright, there riseth light in the darkness. For those who are trying to navigate through something in their life and, and it's a little bit dark, they don't really know which way to go. And, and when you're making sure that you're fearing the Lord and delight, delighting in his, in his word, guess what? He provides a light. Again, verse number four, under the upright, there ariseth, ariseth light in the darkness. God promises to give a personal blessing of guidance to those of us who choose to make these our priorities. But there's not only personal blessings, there's also family blessings. Verse number two, it says, His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Now, again, in the Old Testament, it meant a little more of actual physical position in life. But here in the New Testament, I think we can look at this and, and say, look, when we are fearing the Lord, when we are um, honestly delighting greatly in his, in his word, and we're communicating that to our children, they're going to they're gonna catch that. They're going to catch that, and they're going to uh, follow that. Train a child in the way he should train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it, is the promise in, in, in Proverbs. And when we're training our children to fear the Lord and to delight greatly in his commands, they're going to catch that. I mean, this is something you can't teach. It's better, it's better caught than taught in this one. And, and they catch that, and then they go off and are a great moral and godly influence in this society. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. And I, I'll tell you what, as we're getting close to having children fly the coop and leave the nest. I mean, do I want them to be financially secure? Yes, I do. <laughs> Please, kids, uh, earn your own keep, man. Don't be asking me for handouts or government for handouts. Work hard, be diligent. But, but more important than them being financially successful is for them to walk in truth. Because I know that when they have their own children, they'll teach them to do likewise. And that, to me, is most important. And that, that's what I kind of take here from verse number two, is seed shall be mighty upon earth. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to be mighty as far as politically or economically. or I, I want them to be mighty spiritually upon earth. Family blessings. And then last one here, enduring blessings. These blessings that, that, that stay with that stay and, and are lasting. Verse 3 says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Verse 6, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And then verse 9, He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Enduring blessings. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7, The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. You think about the uh, Lazarus and that certain rich man. The rich man 
was well known here on earth. But in eternity, he's a nobody. He's just somebody who is residing right now currently in hell. And Lazarus, while he was a nobody here on earth, he's a somebody in glory. You may not be well-known here on earth. You may not have the fame. You may not have even dressed up like Tony the Tiger. But if you know the Lord, you can know that you have an everlasting and enduring blessings that are coming your way through Christ. Notice verse number 10. We'll end with this. You, you compare, we talked about the blessed, the blessed life. Verses 1 through 9. And you compare that with verse number 10, the wicked life. Verse 10 says, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. See, the wicked are going to look at our lives, uh, those who are blessed, and, and, and they're going to be grieved. They're going to be wishing that they had what we have. They, they, well, I, I tried to find it through drugs. I tried to find it through pleasure. I tried to, tried to find it through corruption and, and deceit. I tried to find it. I couldn't, and they're grieved. They're going to gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Again, you think about that rich man who's currently right now in hell. He wishes he had the opportunity to have a blessed life. He chose not to. There's people in here today who... Every one of us, every single one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere. We're either going to go to heaven or we're going to go to hell after this life is over. There's no purgatory. The Bible does not speak of that one iota. There's only heaven and there's only hell. Which one are you? Where are you going? Well, I've been a good person. Great. Have, have, have you been forgiven of your sins? Have, have you repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, today needs to be that day for you. And if you have, stop chasing the things of this world because they cannot satisfy. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And here we're given the prescription, the formula for a blessed life. It's the fear of God. And it's delighting in the scriptures. So what are we waiting for? Let's not be hearers only. Now let's go be doers of the word.